It's a great day to study God's Word. Welcome to Through the Bible. I'm your host, Steve Schwetz, and we're on a five-year journey from Genesis to Revelation, stopping today for our first study in the book of Ecclesiastes. Now, as we begin, Dr. McGee recorded a few thoughts that help us to transition from the inspirational book of Philippians to the difficult realities of life discussed in the book of Ecclesiastes. We'll listen, and then we'll come back together to pray before diving into God's Word. The Bible bus, friends, is going down a different pathway today, and we invite you aboard. We have left the New Testament and that wonderful epistle to the Philippians. Now we have returned to the Old Testament, and we are going to begin today in the book of Ecclesiastes. And I'm very anxious for you to have this first message we're going to give on this book, because This is different from every book of the Bible, and it has a very special message for man in this day. And it's like coming out of the clouds from Philippians and coming down to the earth with a great bump when we come to Ecclesiastes. This is the book of man under the sun who has found that life is vanity of vanities, And as we're going to see, that means emptiness. And how many people today who have all of the things of this life, yet they are bored to tears, they do not have contentment, and they are running to and fro like little ants. Only ants are busy doing something. These people are not doing anything. I think that we might be able to tie these two books together with a very wonderful poem that is very familiar to many of you that are listening in today. But it will tie the book where we see this man in Philippians out on the race course of life, pressing toward the mark for the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And now a man that's trying to find that the things of this world will satisfy. And he finds that they're all nothing in the world but a balloon filled with hot air. Not even filled with hot air. Filled with nothing. And here's the poem. My life is but a weaving between my Lord and me. I cannot choose the colors. He worketh steadily. Oft times he weaveth sorrow. And I in foolish pride forget he sees the upper and I the underside. Not till the loom is silent and the shuttles cease to fly shall God unroll the canvas and explain the reason why. The dark threads are as needful in the weaver's skillful hand as the threads of gold and silver in the pattern he has planned. Life without God is meaningless. And you'll find that in Philippians. And you're going to find that in the book of Ecclesiastes, but we'll be coming at it from an altogether different viewpoint, and that's very important for us to see. 
Let's pray for and with one another. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time in your word. Open our hearts to what we're going to hear today and help us to turn away from the things that distract us from a meaningful relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now we're off to Ecclesiastes on Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. You'll recall that when we were back the last time in the Old Testament, we took the book of Proverbs. We said that Solomon was the writer of the book of Proverbs, the book of Ecclesiastes, and the Song of Solomon. And we find here in this particular book something different than the book of Proverbs. There you see the wisdom of Solomon, and here you'll see the foolishness of this man. And Solomon is the writer. I think it's very well established among conservative expositors that Solomon was the writer. There's certainly no reasonable explanation for the book other than that Solomon was the author of it. And it actually is a dramatic autobiography of his life when he got away from God. Ecclesiastes, the word itself means preacher or philosopher. And I rather like the term philosopher better than preacher here because it's being misunderstood. Now, here it's important to see the purpose of this book. The fact of the matter is, you've probably noted that I give an introduction to every book of the Bible that we study. And I think that the purpose of any book of the Bible is important to the correct understanding of it. We need to get off and get a perspective of it. We need to put the telescope down on the Word of God before we pick up the microscope. And here is a book where I think that that's probably more evident than in any other book of the Bible. Here you have human philosophy apart from God. And it must always reach the conclusions that this book reaches. It's inevitable that that come about. Therefore, there are many statements that you and I are going to find in this book or contradict certain other statements in Scripture. Actually, it almost frightens us to know that this book has been the favorite of atheists. And they've quoted from it, Refusely. For example of that is Volney and Voltaire. And today, the cynic and the one today who is critical is apt to quote from this book. And then it's quite interesting the number of cults that use passages from this book because they can take them entirely out of context and give them an, an entirely wrong meaning. Now, man has tried to be happy without God, and it's being tried every day by millions of people. And this book shows the absurdity of the attempt. Solomon was the wisest of men, and he had a wisdom that was God-given, and he tried every field of endeavor and pleasure that's known to man, and his conclusion is, all is vanity. The word vanity means empty. It's all empty, purposeless. And you never attain satisfaction in life by following this process. Now, God showed Job, a righteous man, that he was a sinner in God's sight. 
Now, in Ecclesiastes, God showed Solomon, the wisest man, that he's a fool in God's sight. Believe me, this is a place where there are a great many professors today, PhDs, THDs, and preachers today could learn a great lesson that in spite of all their wisdom, in spite of all the attempt at being intellectual, that man in the sight of God is a fool. And that, my friend, is something that's hard to take. That is for some who put emphasis upon their IQ and the amount of information that they've accumulated. Now, it's quite interesting to find the estimation that certain men have given of the book of Ecclesiastes. Now, in this book, we learn that without Christ, we cannot be satisfied. Even if we possess the whole world and have what men consider today the thing that is for their heart's content, the thing that should satisfy. But today the world cannot satisfy the heart because the heart's too large for the object. And when we get to the next book that Solomon wrote in the Song of Solomon, we learn that if we turn from the world and set our affections on Christ, we cannot fathom the infinite preciousness of his love. Here, the object is too large for the heart. Now, there have been many things said about the book, and we'll be referring to that as we go through. I'd like to say again that vanity, that word is the key, and also under the sun is a key. And very frankly, there is another expression, I said in my heart. In other words, these are the cogitations of man's heart. These are conclusions that men have reached through their own intelligence, their own experiments, and the conclusions are not inspired, but the word that tells you about them is inspired. And therefore, you have in this book, I said in my heart, under the sun, vanity. Now, these are three words that occur again and again. For instance, vanity occurs 37 times, under the sun occurs 29 times, and I do not really know how many times that I said in my heart occurs. I haven't made a study that far along. Now, I'd like to give you an outline here because, again, here's a book that a great many folk think it's without rhyme and reason, and it's just a bunch of verses stuck together. That's actually not true. What you have here is a problem that is stated, and that's in the first three verses of the first chapter. And then the experiment is going to be made, and the problem is stated that all is vanity in this world. All right, experiment. And from verse 4 of the first chapter through verse 12 of the 12th chapter, you find this experiment made, seeking satisfaction in many different avenues, many different fields. There'll be science or the laws of nature, wisdom and philosophy, pleasure, materialism, living for the now, fatalism, egoism or egotism, religion wealth, morality. These are the things that Solomon tried. 
And he'll give us then the result of the experiment in the last two verses of the book. Now, I want us to get started today in this very, I think, interesting book. Here, and let me read the first three verses. The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Now, I don't know anyone that fits except Solomon. David did have other sons, but this one is king in Jerusalem. And the only one that was king in Jerusalem was Solomon. And he's a philosopher here. Well, he was given a wisdom. I think a wisdom that is a little different than we think that it is. We think that he was given a spiritual insight. I don't think that was the kind of wisdom. I think he was given wisdom of government, of political economy. And I think Solomon probably did a marvelous job in ruling the nation, but he did not know how to rule himself nor his household. But he did know how to rule the nation, and he brought in an era of peace, and the nations of the world came there to study and to behold the wisdom of Solomon. He gave a testimony for God through the temple there and the altars where sacrifice was made for sinners. All this was new. And the queen of Sheba came from the ends of the earth, and that's what she found out. But actually, in the area of spiritual discernment, Solomon was probably nil in that area. Now we find this man, when he's away from God, launching out, in this type of thing, under the sun. And the man under the sun here is different today than the child of God that it is said that he is seated in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus, blessed with all spiritual blessings in Christ. Now, that's different than this man here. Now, he says in verse 2, "...vanity of vanities," says the preacher." Well, actually here, it speaks of emptiness. It's to waste your life without any purpose, without any goal, just to live like an animal lives or like a bird that lives. And a great many people live like that. I was in a hotel out in the Hawaiian Islands where the jet set comes. As you know, they fly all over the world. They spend a few days or weeks in a hotel here. Then they go to Acapulco down in Mexico. Then they go along the Riviera in France. And then they go to Spain. They go to North Africa. They go to South Africa. They just go all over the world. And I watch these folk. And the thing that impressed me about them, and as I listen to their conversation at dinner table and in the lobby and in the different places in the elevators, as I listened to them, how purposeless their life really was. One of them would say, well, I saw so-and-so back at a certain place in New York. I was there this winter. And did you see a certain play? Where are you going to from here? Wasn't that place where we were last year, wasn't it a bore? And they have no aim in life, no goal in life, no purpose in life. Now, that's the conclusion, by the way, that Solomon came to. Vanity of vanities. 
emptiness of emptiness. It's just like a big bag of nothing, if you please. And what we have, therefore, is a very remarkable book here. That is, this book here of Ecclesiastes. And here is a man that has tried everything. In the book of Proverbs, we have his gems of wisdom. He gives us a green light there. And in Ecclesiastes, there are globules. And they are globules not of wisdom, but of folly. Red light is on here. And then in the Song of Solomon, why, love is the subject. And here you have wisdom, folly, our foolishness, and love. And Solomon was an expert in all three fields. He knew how to play the fool. He could be wise in his government. Also, his love light was quite a story. Now, Solomon, the wisest man, according to the wisdom of the world, yet no man ever played the fool more thoroughly than he did. And he is the riddle of Revelation. He's the paradox of Scripture. He's the wisest man and at the same time the biggest fool. And this book in Ecclesiastes is going to reveal that. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. So that what we have here in Ecclesiastes, this is the Bible's Alice in Wonderland. It's the Disneyland. He tried all the rides of this life. And Ecclesiastes has been called, as we've indicated, the dramatic autobiography of the life of Solomon when he got away from God. Here is life without God, under the sun, a man walking and talking under the sun. The man that you see today, you meet them today, trying to get something out of life. Now, there's another class of people that I meet in motels and hotels as I go around. They are the ones that are conventioneers. They attend conventions. This is the day of conventions. And I've just recently been in a motel where there was a great company of people there that were attending a convention. And again, you can listen to the conversations, different than the others, but they're looking for something. They had a big cocktail party the night before. They had a big bus, you know, a big beer bus. And they had a big show. They put on a big banquet. They've tried it all. But there is that note of bitterness, and there are the dregs that are left in the glass of life. And that is the thing here. And you find this man now making an experiment. He's going to squeeze the juice of life out of the dry rocks of this mundane existence down here. And now he's going to begin. Now, verse 3 says, What profit hath a man of all his labor which he taketh under the sun? Now, let's understand. This is under the sun. This is man's viewpoint. God's not given his viewpoint here. This is all under the sun. This is not under the sun and over the moon. This happens to be just under the sun. And it happens to be a picture of man apart from God attempting to find satisfactions in life. Now, the first thing that he tries is this matter of, we would call it science, are 
You can call it the laws of nature. He began to make a study of that. And that's interesting. Men today that have gone into the scientific field have spent actually years, in fact, a lifetime, studying these laws of nature. And this book is remarkable in giving us these laws of nature. Now, will you notice he found this to be true. Listen to this, verse 4. One generation passeth away, and another generation cometh, but the earth abideth forever. Now, the earth is permanent. It has a stability that man doesn't have, because man is merely temporary. And you have now contemporary man. He's a little different than the man of the past, and probably be a great deal different than the man of the future. But man's temporary, and the continuity of mankind is maintained through births. In other words, you and I weren't here a hundred years ago. I don't think many of you were. And you and I won't be here a hundred years from today. In fact, there's some of us won't be around much longer. But mankind will continue, and it'll continue through births. Now, he's noted that one generation passeth away, another generation cometh, but the earth abideth forever. Man is a transitory creature. And that is one of the things that makes this life actually If you want to look at life today in terms of this life only, may I say to you that man is the most colossal failure in God's universe. Why, he's just around here a few years. Why, these redwood trees up here in Northern California that I drove through some of them there that were here when Christ was on earth. And they are around quite a while, but... After all, they're just really little primaries. They haven't really been here long. The rocks around us, they tell us, been here millions of years, billions of years. I don't know. I don't think they know either. But you and I are on an earth that's been around for quite a while. It was here before man got here, and it's going to be here after most of us leave this earth. Now, my friend, may I say to you, This adds, as you can see, a certain dimension to man and to life that's rather discouraging, disappointing. Man is not what he thinks that he is. Now, will you notice something else? The sun also ariseth, and the sun goeth down, and hasteth to his place where he arose. You know, Solomon, with all that he had, found life monotonous. That was a Oh, that sameness to it. Tried to get away from people today doing everything under the sun. Most of us have sand in our shoes, itchy feet. We're running everywhere, going everywhere today. Motels and hotels are filled. Highways and freeways are filled today with people. They're on the go. What's happening? Well, looking for satisfaction, getting away from the boredom and the monotony of life. And I say to you, if you're just going to look at man as he is today, apart from God, it's not a pretty picture, my friend. And that's what Ecclesiastes will present to us. May God richly bless you, my beloved.
Over the next couple of weeks, we'll take a deeper look at what life apart from God looks like. As Dr. McGee said, it's not a pretty picture. But you know, life doesn't have to be hopeless. God offers you a future in His Son, Jesus Christ, that's so beautiful. It eclipses whatever hard stuff is thrown at us down here. Hear more about God's gift of salvation and begin living your life with Him and for Him when you call 1-865-BIBLE or visit ttb.org and search for How Can I Know God? We'll celebrate this decision by sending some helpful resources, including Dr. McGee's booklet, The Faith Equation, Faith Plus Nothing Equals Salvation. This is such an important choice. I pray that if you haven't given your life to Jesus Christ, that today will be your day. Now, as we continue our study of the book of Ecclesiastes, Dr. McGee's notes and outlines are available anytime. They're available in the menu of our app, or you can download them all in one free digital download called Briefing the Bible at ttb.org. There you can also request your free abridged print copy as well, or call us at 1-800-65-BIBLE. Again, the number to call is 1-800-652-4253. I'm Steve Schwetz, and I'll be here next time saving a seat on the Bible bus just for you. Through the Bible exists to take God's whole word to the whole world. And we invite you to stand with us with your faithful prayer and financial support. Where will God's word go today?